So this is not just counselling for the caring role, but also identifying support in other areas of your life, such as habits that might roll into personal relationships and family dynamics. Have you noticed a recurring or a common theme with carers and their boundaries or maybe lack thereof? Yeah, well, it's a great one to bring up because people in the caring role, they often have very caring hearts and put Mm. others' needs first. Sure. And that can be a lovely thing, but also as one carer put it once to me was, it's as if I've got a sign above my head that says, hey, everyone, I'm a carer. If you need help, ask me. <laughs> yeah. and, and this, she said, just wore her out. Um, so, so boundaries come from knowing when you can say yes and when you can say no to things and having a healthy capacity to do both or feeling balanced in that. And that's something we can unpack in counselling and, and work out, yeah, what is the idea of saying no? What does that bring up for you and why is that difficult and how can we, we work on that? And it's not always so binary. It's not always a, a matter of yes or no. Sometimes it's a matter of yes, just not now. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And a great way to rethink what that can mean. From the Benevolent Society, we welcome you to the Carer Gateway podcast with your host, Patty Kekos. Carer Gateway is the Australian government's national carer hub and provides reliable services, support and advice specifically for carers. This is where we share interviews with guests that have specialised knowledge that will help support carers look after their emotional, mental and physical well-being. We are recording on Aboriginal country, lands which were never ceded. We acknowledge the traditional custodians and cultural knowledge holders of these lands and pay our respects to Aboriginal elders past, present and emerging. Always was always will be. Hello, my lovely listeners. How are you? I hope you enjoyed our previous episode on decluttering and I loved reading your messages about what part of the decluttering processes you're actually up to. If you're finding these podcasts to be really helpful to you, liking, subscribing and leaving us a five-star review really ensures we keep showing up for the people that most need to hear about us. And I'm thrilled to be connecting with you again today. As per many of your popular requests, we'll be chatting to you about the counselling services that Carer Gateway offers to carers. Caring for a loved one is important work. Some days caring brings great joy, but some days it can be lonely or a little overwhelming. No matter how you feel today, there is a counselling professional that is just a phone call away. The Carer Gateway counselling service is a free service for carers. Each weekday from 8am to 6pm, our professional counsellors are waiting to talk through the concerns that you have and how you feel about your carer role. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Jack Lawton, who is a very heart-centred counsellor. He has a spark for all things related to nature, outdoors and adventure. Jack is a psychotherapist and more recently a counsellor with the Carer Gateway. His passion lies in supporting people to live a more contented life with themselves and with their environment. Jack enjoys working with his horses whenever he gets the chance. A background study in equine psychotherapy is also something that he's been interested in. But because he now lives in the city, you can find him riding his motorbike into the Blue Mountains or walking his dogs around the block. Jack has a very calm and welcoming presence. He believes change starts from self-understanding and acceptance, and he's committed to supporting people live their best lives. Jack, how does it feel to be in the hot seat where I ask the questions? 
Hi. Uh, totally new experience. Um, never done anything like this before, so feeling some nerves. Um, I don't know if I'm enjoying it yet, but I trust you, Patty. Oh, that's good. That's going to help. You know, I think it's going to get better as we keep going because the only difference between what we normally do, Jack, is that we've got a microphone in front of us. Mm. Yeah, no, it feels good. I'm excited to be here. Good. Now, you've got some great insights to share. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up. Yeah, so I grew up on a, on a cattle and sheep farm near a small country town in the northwest of New South Wales, a little town called Bandara. And you became a travel agent after you completed your school. I think that you were such a good salesman. You sold yourself an 18-month trip and left to go travelling where you spent a year and a half backpacking around the world. Yeah, it um, seems like a long time ago now, but it was a lovely time in my life, a time of freedom and independence and exploration. Um, yeah, and I, and I had a wonderful time, really good experience. Uh, I decided when the money ran out, um, time was time had sort of come to, to get back to Australia, mm. started studying a... Uh, Spanish linguistics degree, um, evolved into environmental arts degree. That's a bit different on the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, it was a really just from being exposed to, to people in the university that, that inspired me and really following my instincts on that. Yeah. Um, did you do some more travelling after you finished university? Yeah, I graduated and then did a trip to South America for, for around eight months as well. Do you mm. still speak Spanish? I do, a little bit. Also speaking French, so my Spanish language skills of definitely dropped off um, the last few years. Well, French is a harder language. Well, I realised I had a bit of a thing for languages. I, I learned enough French on the first trip to get by and and then Spanish on the second trip when I went to Peru and Argentina and Uruguay. Um, but now my brain's very much back in French mode. Um, got married to my French wife in 2022. And, and do you speak French to your daughter as well? Yeah, actually, I do. It's it's something that's evolving. She's she's picking up words in in both English and French, and we speak to her at home as much as we can. That's amazing. In French. Mm. Yeah, I think it's special for me. I, I come from such a small country town, um, and I was quite inspired by my parents, who were open minded and always told stories of their travels, and and I really wanted to learn and travel, and and I I think expanding the vocabulary really heightened my desire to, to connect with people and it's now transcribed into my career, which is also quite nice. Speaking of your career, tell me a little bit about your pivot into equine therapy and where you are today with that. Mm, yeah, so I was working with horses and young adults with disabilities and really inspired me to learn more about how people and horses connect and, and how that can really have a therapeutic benefit for, mm. for people. And it led me into studies into equine therapy, psychotherapy, and and then gestalt psychotherapy. Um, yeah, so that's sort of how it transitioned. So does that mean you had to study for four years before you became a psychotherapist? Yeah, it was it was a four year course. Um, qualified in in March two thousand and twenty three. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think the equine studies, equine psychotherapy, is is definitely something I'd like to do in the future. Yeah, to have a private practice. Um, and just to expose people to, to this really quite powerful therapeutic alliance, which is the horse-human relationship. It's all about getting some experience in the city and, and growing from, from what's available now. Well, how do you use your first environmental degree? I, I think of it as a way of 
feeling connected to nature mm. and and using that as a as a resource as a therapeutic resource even to help ground to help feel safe to help feel connected is is something that can really have a benefit feeling connected to the natural world and I'm sure you probably learned a lot about climate change as well yeah there was a lot on on the change in in our earth and the science around that um, the disconnect with our surroundings and yeah and it was tough. It was tough learning the truth of that. Um, but I think it's really influenced my decision making now to really connect to people on an individual level. I mean, one day in the future, it sounds like you want to have horses and some land to support people reconnecting through equine therapy. Would you ever live life off grid? I think it is definitely a dream. I I love the idea and I, I think I would like to have solar panels. I like to have enough yeah. space around. I grew up with such space. So that's something important to me. I, I think what I do want to maintain is connection to the people around me, to the community where mm. I'm living. So off-grid, maybe yes, but not in an isolated sort of context, I think. So maybe remotely, but not necessarily off-grid. Yeah, maybe remotely is even too far. I yeah. Would go, yeah, I would go remote enough. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fast forward to now, you work as a counsellor uh, for Care Gateway and how is all of that going for you? Yeah, I love it. I really love it. It's it's a great opportunity to to connect with people that are really receptive to the support. As as often it's it's well, it's carers who are often putting others before themselves. So mm. when I step in and say, no, this is about you, they're really receptive to that often. And and I'm very grateful to to be able to connect with that and and to learn amongst yeah, a really great team of of counsellors. You know, many of our listeners have had counselling sessions, and some of them never have. For those that haven't and might have some questions about it or some preconceived notions about what it entails, can you give us a definition of what counselling actually is? Well, I Googled it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so did I and I didn't like it, but let's, let's see what you've come up well, with. Well, Google told me that counselling is the provision of professional assistance and guidance in resolving personal or psychological problems. Do you think that's an adequate description? It's very literal. Mm. I think it lacks a bit of humanness. Um, what would you say from your heart? I think it's it's an opportunity for a human-to-human experience, uh, yeah. feeling a sense, we would hope, of feeling supported, heard, listened to, not judged, um, and, and a feeling of being connected to one another. Certainly. Mm. It's, it's a conversation that results in an increased sense of one's mental health or at least the potential for that, um, a greater sense of well-being or or feeling understood. Yeah, feeling seen, feeling validated. Yeah, I like that. Maybe we can also take a moment to unpack what counselling is not. Great question. It's, it's not someone who's going to solve things for you. Um, I'm not here to tell you what to do or what not to do or to yeah. judge you on what's what you're doing right or wrong. Um, we're bunch of humans, you know, professional clinicians that can give strategies to, to help support your situation. Um, it's, it's not a miracle, um, although sometimes it can really feel like a miracle. I agree with that. And with Care Gateway, it's not long term, is it? It's not long term, no, but it's it's not nothing either yeah. what we can offer. That's a great point. Mm. I mean, the Carer Gateway offers about six counselling sessions for carers. Perhaps you can share a little bit about how they're structured. So the first contact we do is is a call out to to one of the carers to set up the first session. And these sessions can be done over the phone, via video link or in person. 
sessions last about an hour. And after the sixth session, Care Gateway offers ongoing support. So you're not left in the lurch. There's, uh, there's coaching services, there's group counseling or peer support groups or activities as well. And you can access these six free sessions every 12 months. Free counselling sessions every 12 months. Yeah, that's right. So the first couple, we we sort of frame it up. It's a bit of a get-to-know-you time. Mm-hmm. Hear a bit of your background, a bit of the story as to what brought you here. Yeah. Um, the middle sessions, we can really work on the nuts and bolts of what, what you're working through and where you'd like to feel more supported. Mm-hmm. And the last sessions, we, we hope to finish well and, and close out in a way that sets up these future supports but also recognises this bit of a journey that we've been on. Okay. You mentioned briefly that there are options for group counselling. Yeah, it's useful to mention um, some, some, some more details on the group support that's offered. There's, there's peer support sessions that people can get in, involved with, group workshops um, online and in person that, that can be specific to you, um, such as how to apply to the NDIS, mm-hmm. there's care for an elderly person, um, there's fun activities as well to get involved with, high tea, cooking classes, meditation sessions. And there's also group counselling as well, which which is a little bit different to individual counselling. What's the main difference? I would say the group counselling is, is a focus on a specific issue, often educational, mixed in with some opportunity to share your personal experiences. Yep. The individual counselling is very much for you, about you in a private, confidential setting. If I were a carer that had just been assigned to you and was perhaps feeling a little bit hesitant about my sessions, maybe because this is new for me or the previous counselling experience that I had elsewhere was not necessarily positive, what would you say to me? Well, I do hear this a bit and I, I think the first thing is is really about getting to know each other and, and really I think the first thing I would say is, well, well where would you like to start? Yeah. I mean, I've got my ideas, which I can bring in as well, but... I would say slowing things down, um, getting to know each other a bit, but also working out what you didn't like about your previous experience. And that can really help guide guide my interaction with you in, in a way that can make this authentic as possible and, and as supportive as possible. It's such a gentle but also very matter-of-fact and practical way of addressing the elephant in the room. Yeah, because often it's it, all it takes is to voice that and yeah. then it's forgotten, which you know, it's a bit like emotions as well. You know, you can voice yeah. them and then they can tend to lose their power. power. Yeah, because it's acknowledged and it's validated. Mm. I like that. Mm. Okay. What else? Well, I would say it's very normal to be nervous as well. I mean, I feel nervous as, as others do about a first time calling someone, being yeah. in touch, meeting someone. It, it does bring out nervousness. So, again, I haven't met you before. I don't know you. So this is really normal. Um an opportunity to build trust, to, to get to know each other, as I've mentioned, and yeah, create a sort of healthy working alliance, um, sharing stories. Um, the rest sort of happens quite naturally. Yeah, this is important to note because as many carers won't necessarily chat to their loved ones about certain private matters, like caring for a loved one because their friends might not necessarily have a similar lived experience. So I think it's really important to acknowledge that this is okay, that, you know, this is a conversation that you don't necessarily have with other people. You might be sharing things that are quite private. 
And I honour that. I honour that and really take your confidentiality into serious consideration. Mm, Yeah, and it also feels somewhat of a privilege to be the person that they haven't told this to anyone else. 100%. So that's something that I I don't hold lightly. Yeah. Mm. I personally want to chat to you about the fact that sometimes we might be matched with a worker or in this case a counsellor that we might not necessarily click with. What advice would you share with a carer that might find themselves in this situation? Yeah, I think my advice would be to do what feels right, right for you. And it's it's in the counselling space totally okay to change, to request to change counsellors. Um, it's, it's very normal and natural that the click doesn't always happen. It's really about finding the right way for you to, to voice this. Sure. And, and that can be... Um, maybe it's an email, maybe it's a, a text message, maybe it's directly with your counsellor, you know, requesting that, you know, maybe I'd prefer someone else, or I'd prefer maybe a female or a male counsellor. You can really be specific and, and we encourage that because it's a really good way of showing your needs are getting voiced and yeah. they're getting met. So this is what we're working on in counselling. So this is a space that a counsellor would hold, isn't it? Like, is is this working for you? Do you feel comfortable? Mm, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're great questions, yeah, because it can really bring in that sense of identity and self that, that carers often lack because they're putting others first. And so we're really creating that space for their self-expression. And I'm thinking it's a really healthy example of boundary setting. It is indeed, yeah, one that can go forgotten for our carers, which is, yes. is a really tough one. Yes. Jack, do you reckon you could provide two or three different examples of how you've been able to help various carers with their counselling sessions at Carer Gateway? Yeah, and and just for reference, um, names, identity have been changed for this um, as it is confidential, but, but certainly one story I spoke with a woman, Mary, um, she was caring for her mother and... And her mother moved into her house with her after a diagnosis and for treatment for more support. Uh, this was going well for a while, but put a lot of strain on the relationships that, that she described with her partner, her kids, mm. um, the family dynamics all changing. Um, she it felt, is a big thing, isn't it? Well, it was huge. I mean, obviously she was wanting the best for her mum, you know, mm. trying to provide enough support and, and to do that for her. And And she really did that. She did that for a few months and her mother's health improved and she was able to then want to move back to live independently. So this transition happened. And the the sticking point was Mary realised she didn't want her mum to move back in. You know, if her health was to deteriorate again, it was not something that she could do again, was to look after her in in their home. Is it only because of the impact that it had on her partner and children or was there also an impact on Mary personally? Yeah, I think what it brought out for her was was quite a long history of a relationship with her mum, feeling under the microscope, feeling her judgments, those little niggling comments, the, the real difficulty to to be able to have a clear boundary that said, you know, that, you know, I don't want that and I don't want that. That's right. And it's not so easy to be able to say, hey, you're in my house now. You don't get to criticise or judge me, especially when I'm caring for you. It sounds simple if you and I say it. We don't have the history. We don't have that emotional attachment. Mm. We don't have the boundaries that haven't been implemented yet. And ruptures don't always get repaired. So Mm. that's why they keep getting repeated. Yeah, and I think I think what's so important in, in implementing change or trying to do something different, such as putting a boundary in place with, with someone we've known and, and, and care for, it's it's very difficult. So getting enough support is, is really important. So that was what it was about for Mary, was building enough support around her, the people she can talk to openly, 
as well as in counselling to to really just validate her own wishes for herself, which was, I'm not a bad person if if I don't invite her back into my home. I can still care for her. It's not a question of that. It's, It'll just be in a different way. It's in a different way and that's totally okay. So it sounds like the counselling sessions were at a perfect time for her. Yeah, and I think she was really open and, and receptive to, to expressing herself and to really work through some of these challenges that were going on, some of the guilt that she'd she'd had within. Of course, of mm. course. That's amazing. Mm. I mean, it's a great example of a carer redefining their caring role, but for many it's the first time that they've been able to implement these kind of boundaries and changing the dynamics of a relationship that's related to a long history with the other person who's being cared for and old behaviour patterns. It's not easy to do this on your own. We need to feel supported to be able to take this next step or this next up level with confidence. Yeah, another example that, that comes to mind is was a man, uh, John, who was caring for his brother who had a disability, mobility issues, and and he came feeling very stressed, very angry, very resentful to his brother. Um, in his eyes, he wasn't doing anything to get better, to make an effort to change. Uh, John had taken meals, cleaned the house, um, trying to encourage him to do something for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but this sort of left this really strong emotion that he wasn't sure how to, what to do with, apart from step away, which he just didn't feel like was an option. So during your sessions together, what was the, what were the sort of things that you unpacked? Well, firstly, dealing with the big emotion because that was what was coming out straight up. Um, so we recognised them as as relative to maybe burnout symptoms, mm. um, and that he was spending a lot of his energy focusing on what his brother wasn't doing, and and that actually wasn't very healthy. wasn't really working out. And it was also outside his circle of control. Yeah, that's right. And and that was something that was able to help just realign how he was thinking about the caring role mm. and and really recognising, well, what does a minute to himself look like and what is it that his brother's probably not going to change, you know, and mm. that he really can only control himself and his reactions. That is a deep sense of acceptance <laughs> and surrender. Well, yeah, and I, and I think what was so inspiring with with John was that he was he would go away and then he would come back the next session, somewhat um, having reflected on what what was discussed and and even to the point where he was able to share with me that he after the first session he didn't want to come back to counselling he he sort of felt like oh I don't know if I can do this um, but yeah right he had the courage to and he'd really committed to that and to the point where he was able to share that with me towards the end of our sessions. But for him to say, look, this is confronting, I don't think I like it, but I'm going to persevere. And then how did the counselling sessions then transcend? Yeah, well, he was able to, well, the conversation sort of naturally changed to being more about him and a little bit more about his other relationships in his life and how he is in oh, those relationships. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah, it was really lovely to to be a part of that journey with him and, and he was very grateful for the support and very receptive to it, which I think really helped, as I mentioned earlier, that working alliance seemed to be strong and, and we're able to really help him through some some quite serious things. I think it's important to note that sometimes, I, I guess I want to say two things about that. How you do one thing is how you do most things. Mm. So if there are certain behavioural aspects that you bring to your caring role, 
it, there's a high chance that you do the same to your personal or intimate relationships or even your work relationships. And the other thing as well is that once you're a carer and you make a slight edit in that relationship with the people that you care for or the person that you care for, it has a ripple effect on your other relationships. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, certainly for John, it was about ability to recognise his own emotion that he was bringing to his relationships with his, with his daughters, for example. This started to change. He was saying how he was more receptive to their ideas, more accepting of their ideas, mm. able to take a bit of a step back in his work and not feel so emotionally involved. It was quite lovely to witness um, because, yeah, these, these patterns, they, they tend to play out. Yeah, you're right. They're not just isolated to the caring role, but they can really overflow into our life. And also in the sort of, I'm not sure of the expression, but in contrary to that is is really when you start making these changes, they can really have a ripple effect in, in, the, in the opposite as well. A hundred percent. So this is not just counselling for the caring role, but also identifying support in other areas of your life, such as habits that might roll into personal relationships and family dynamics. Have you noticed a recurring or a common theme with carers and their boundaries or maybe lack thereof? Yeah, well, it's a great one to bring up because people in the caring role, they often have very caring hearts and put mm. others' needs first. Sure. And that can be a lovely thing, but I th also as one carer put it once to me, was it's as, as if I've got a sign above my head that says, hey, everyone, I'm a carer. If you need help, ask me. <laughs> yeah. and, and this, she said, just wore her out. Um, so, so boundaries come from knowing when you can say yes and when you can say no to things and having a healthy capacity to do both or feeling balanced in that and that's something we can unpack in counselling and, and work out, yeah, what is the idea of saying no, what does that bring up for you and why is that difficult and how can we, we work on that? And it's not always so binary. It's not always a, a matter of yes or no. Sometimes it's a matter of yes, just not now. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and a great way to rethink what that can mean. Now, Jack, I know we touched on this briefly a little earlier, but tell me a little bit more about how group counselling works. Yeah, so group counselling, there's, there's lots of different ways that it can be done. How we've structured it here at Care Gateway in Sydney is through psychoeducational groups. What does that um, mean? So that means we've got a specific educational topic that we work with. And so small groups, up to eight people, carers receive some information about the topic and get an opportunity to share from their personal experience and listen to others that may have gone through similar things. Okay, so what are some of the topics? Well, the first topic that we've we've run this year is uh, a topic on burnout and self-care. Oh, um, ding, so, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> yeah, burnout and, and its antidote, self-care. So carers walk away from the group with getting to know a few other people, listening to their other stories, an opportunity to share. Yeah. Um, but also we, we work on a personalised self-care plan and, yeah, they go away with new information learned about it. That, that sounds sensational. You speak a lot about the importance of self-care for your clients. As a counsellor, let me put you on the spot, Jack. Do you ever feel or do you ever get burnt out? I do. I do feel it. I I think it's a while since I've felt fully burnt out, um, but I certainly feel a lack of boundaries leads to my to my burnout. Mm, I can understand that. What do you do to ensure that you recognise the symptom before burnout? I mean, how do you manage your self-care? Well, I, I, I'm getting better. I feel I'm no expert, but I... I become aware of simple things that start feeling difficult in my mm -hmm. normal day to day. And, and then I put things off that I can usually cope with. 
I stay up later. Because your capacity is diminished? I, I guess so. I, yeah. I sort of, I'm, I'm in it and I'm doing it. So yeah. it's a it's a tricky one to sort of step out and look at my myself, but that's part of this exercise in counselling somewhat. Yeah. Um, I, I also tend to stay up later. I I stop calling friends back or responding to messages. What are your top three ways to recharge your batteries instead of burning them? Mm. For me, it's it's getting outside, mm. um, whether that's just opening a window and putting my head out or, or actually going for a walk, feeling the fresh air. Um, maybe it's playing with the dogs or, or getting into the garden. That's probably number one. Second one's, I would say, getting enough rest or, or trying to be aware of when I feel tired um, and avoiding letting the next episode button on Netflix <laughs> suck me into another. <laughs> just one more. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Um, and probably the third thing is is really talking to a friend. Uh, I find that's something that I probably don't do often enough but mm. always feel better for once I've given them a call. They're great points. Mm. Do you have any tips for carers who want to book in a counselling session but might feel a little reluctant to do so? I would say just being honest with yourself is really a good thing just to check in. You know, Do I need to talk to someone about this um, or how much longer can I keep going as, as this is going? Um, what do I have to lose or gain from, from from reaching out? I think also just knowing where and how to reach out as mm. well. So that's that's a big step. And I always tell people that have come through to me is they've really already started this process of of looking after themselves because they've they've come this far. And I know that yeah. that, that that's important to acknowledge. Yeah, I'm really glad that you said that. Jack, I feel like I have absolutely no choice but to reward you with some rapid-fire wrap-up questions. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay. What's the biggest learning experience that you ever had? I would say hitchhiking through South America for me was, was the biggest of the lot. Would you do it now? I I couldn't. I'm, yeah. I'm engaged in parenting and yeah. I'm, that's definitely taking over as the biggest learning experience. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What's one vice that you wish that you could give up? I, I would say being stuck in my head, overthinking. Mm. Yeah, that's that's something that I have as a vice that I think is not necessarily helpful all the time. Do you get analysis paralysis? No, but maybe, and I'm not even aware of it. Yeah, mm. that's interesting. What's the one thing that people don't know about you necessarily? Okay, I've got an embarrassing thing to share, but I I feel like when I when I feel sad, I like to go for a walk and pick flowers. That's not embarrassing. That's beautiful. So that's that just speaks to your connection to nature, mm. and then your desire to actually you know share those flowers. Yeah, it's a real way of slowing down. I think. Yeah, yeah. being very mindful and very present. I love yeah. that. That's not embarrassing. <laughs> All right, window or aisle seat, go. Aisle seat, uh, definitely for the for the long flights, yeah. Is this a toilet thing or is this a, I just need to get up? A, yeah, it's a get up and move when I want to and, yeah. and I think come from bad experiences of snoring or stuck in the corner kind of feeling. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah. What's one thing you had to learn the hard way? I think being nice to myself, that's something that's ongoing but Ooh. that has been a hard way for sure. This is powerful for the rest of us to hear. Because you're so kind and you're hmm. so generous. So to know that you have to remind yourself to be like that to yourself is good for the rest of us to hear. Hmm. Yeah, thanks, Patty. Jack, you have been wonderful. Thank you for being here today.
You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been great. That's all we have time for today, folks. And while I know that formal counselling sessions aren't necessarily for everyone, the Carer Gateway has many peer support programs that can also cater to your needs and to your specific caring role. They're designed to help you feel comfortable to open up to other carers. And then, of course, the counselling and then the coaching services are for specific individual supports whenever you feel ready to take them. If there's someone you know that was curious about these counselling sessions, we'd love it if you shared this interview with them. If this chat with Jack was helpful for you, please do like and subscribe to our podcast. But if you really want to help us ensure we get to the right listeners who need to hear our episodes most, leaving us a five-star review ensures that podcast algorithm gets a helping hand. Until we meet again, take good care of yourself. If you are caring for a relative or a friend who has a disability, a mental health condition, a life-limiting health or medical condition, or are frail because they are older, please contact the Carer Gateway on 1800 422 737 or look us up on www.carergateway.gov.au. And if you're a carer, you're allowed to take time to look after yourself. Remember... Everyone you care for is only as okay as you are.